Well, as I said, I'm sharing with you today um, this theme of make me more like Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, we read these words. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. There's a story of a mother that was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, age five, and Ryan, age three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw the opportunity to teach them a moral lesson. She said, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin, the older, turned to his younger Brian, Ryan, and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. Now, how many of you would agree that we like it when others are Jesus? They play the role of Jesus. You know, I, okay, I'm going to let you in into the car with my wife and I. There are times, believe it or not, I know this is going to be hard for you to comprehend. There are times when we've had a discussion. Some of you call it argument, but we call it discussion. There have been those times. And I will turn to her and say, honey, one of us needs to display the fruit of the Spirit right now. And I nominate you because God's given you a better disposition to be able to be more humble and mild. Yes, we would rather have the other person be Christ-like. Uh, back in the day, uh, there, you, there was this movement. And in this movement, they were handing out bracelets. And on the bracelets, they have the letters WWJD, which stood for, What Would Jesus Do? Uh, replying to the question, What Would Jesus Do? One woman wrote the following. Our fourth grader celebrated his birthday on crutches, so he couldn't carry the cupcakes into school without help. I asked our sixth grader, Noah, to help his brother carry them in. I could, he said, but I'd prefer not to. Spotting a teaching moment, my husband asked Noah, what would Jesus do? Noah answered, Jesus would heal him so that he could then carry his own cupcakes. <laughs> Isn't that like us? We're always trying to find an out. <laughs> now, what is our mission here at CWC Life CV? What is our mission here at our church? It is this, to encourage, equip, and empower people to grow as Jesus did, and to do what Jesus did. This is why we exist here, to encourage, equip, and empower people to grow as Jesus did, and to do what Jesus did. And this is based on what the Scriptures reveal. First in Luke 2, verse 52, in the New Living Translation, we read, Jesus grew, notice, in wisdom, He grew mentally, and he grew in stature, he grew physically, and he grew in favor with God, spiritually, and with men, relationally. 
So Jesus grew in these four areas, mentally, physically. He grew spiritually, and he grew relationally. That's our aim here, to help people grow in a whole-like manner, like Jesus did. But also, we see what Jesus did, the works that he carried out. He said this of them in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And notice, and even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. What kind of works did Jesus do? We study the Gospels. We discover that He performed miracles, signs, and wonders. The Scriptures reveal that under the anointing empowerment of the Holy Spirit, He went about doing good. He did practical things. Like we read, He fed those that were hungry. But He did it supernaturally. The Bible also reveals that He healed all that were oppressed by the devil. In Acts 1038. In other words, he delivered people from demonic oppression and possession that were harassed and tormented by demon powers. He delivered people. He also healed the brokenhearted. He also set at liberty those that had been bruised by life. He also brought recovery of sight to the blind. Luke 4, 16 through 18 reveals, and he preached the gospel to the poor. Jesus did good works, but then he says, I did great works, but greater works than these shall you do. And so here at CWC Life CB, we want to equip you. We want to encourage you. We want to empower. We want you to know that it's not just through the preacher's hands that Jesus heals the sick. If you believe you are in position and you are a candidate to have God work through your hands to bring deliverance to people that need the power of God manifested in their spirit or their soul or their body. Now, as we noted last week, it's important for us to acknowledge that Jesus had to go or undergo a process that led to progress. Jesus had to undergo a process that led to progress. In Luke 2.40, the Bible says in Luke 2.40, and the child, Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, the word that Dr. Luke here uses for grew, it means a continual process of increasing. A continual process of increasing. In other words, there wasn't a supernatural growth that Jesus experienced, but he grew just as you and I do. You'll see what I mean. What I'm saying is, Jesus didn't grow in these areas just because the Spirit came upon him. He grew in these areas through the process of dealing with temptation, of confronting trials, and of having to go through tribulation. He grew in these areas through going through temptation, trials, and tribulation. In fact, the Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, notice, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus dealt with the same temptations that you and I have to deal with in life. 
He grew through dealing with them and ultimately overcoming them. And then Hebrews 5, 8 tells us, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience by having to face tough moments and tough situations and circumstances in which he had to choose to obey God instead of acting independently of God. This is so important that we capture this. And then going back to Luke, Luke also uses the phrase that he became strong. Here, Dr. Luke uses a word that means that Jesus was taking everything he was learning and putting it to productive use. In fact, both verbs are in the imperfect tense to signal that this was an ongoing process. And then we read again, Luke 2.52, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And as we noted last week in this observation, the word grew is a different Greek medical term that means to hammer out. To hammer out as a blacksmith hammers metal. And notice that Jesus is not doing the fashioning, but he is submitting to the fastening. In other words, Jesus is the metal and his father is the blacksmith. So, how do I become more like Jesus? How do I become more like Jesus? By applying in my life what Jesus did when dealing with temptation, trial, and tribulation. How many of you want to become like Jesus? Then, say with me, praying, reading, gathering. Say it again, praying, reading, gathering. We want to become like Jesus, then we've got to do what Jesus did in the face of temptation, trial, and tribulation. Or what he did to be ready to deal with temptation, trial, and tribulation. The first is praying. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 and 29. Now it came to pass that about eight days after these things that he took Peter, John, and James and went on up on the mountain to do what? To pray. And watch. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. Now, you can read about this same account, this same occurrence in Jesus' life, not only in Luke, but in also in Matthew and in Mark. But Luke is the only one who inserts what Jesus was actually doing on that mountain when he was transfigured, when he was altered, when he was changed. Luke says that Jesus was altered. The face, his face was altered. It was changed in appearance as he prayed. How many of you need a face lift? And how many of you would say, I need a face lift? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. You can have both a face lift and a faith lift through praying. Because when you pray, God's power is activated. And you can, you can come into God's presence discouraged, despondent, and depressed. But when you pray, His Spirit comes and touches you and strengthens you. And your frown becomes a smile. Not because your circumstances 
circumstances changed, but because you've been changed through his presence and power at work in your life. Because when you pray, the Bible says they looked to him and they were, their faces were illuminated. Their countenance were brightened. When you look to God and you have a face to face encounter with him through prayer, his glory on him begins to rub off on you and his presence and power begins to envelop and empower you and you don't come out the way you went in into his presence but notice that this encounter where he's praying was so uh, powerful that not only did his face change in, in its look in its complexion but also his clothes were white and glistening in other words the glory on the inside began to manifest on the outside and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? Time spent at the altar will alter you. Time spent at the altar will alter you. Why you say that, Pastor? Because see, growing up, I learned early in my journey through watching the old time saints. In fact, growing up as a PK, as a preacher's kid, I would come to service because we had to be the first ones there. We would usually arrive an hour early. And about 45 minutes before service, 30 minutes before service, there would be believers that would come into the church, but they wouldn't be found sitting on their on the pew, but they would be actually at the altar and I would see men and women crying out to God. And then growing up in church, I would see during altar time, people that later on I would discover they were going through health issues. They were going through financial pressure. They were going through relational strain. They would be found at the altar. And I learned as I'm observe, observing what was happening, they understood that if you spend time in His presence, you cannot remain the same. If you spend time in His presence, the burden that has been weighing you down will be lifted off your shoulders. That when you spend time in His presence, there's a transformation that takes place. Time spent at the altar will alter you. And as somebody noted, the praying man will stop sinning. The sinning man will stop praying. You want to overcome sin in your life? Call on the name of the Lord. Seek the Lord. Wrestle in His presence. And you will experience breakthrough in your life. Here's another account of Jesus praying. In Luke chapter 22, verses 45, 44 and 45, it says, And being in agony, in the Greek word for agony here, it means to struggle. It also speaks of wrestling. It also speaks of being in deep anguish mentally and emotionally. It says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Notice, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. I want you to notice that Jesus here, he experienced an intensity 
an intensity of anguish mentally and emotionally to such a degree that the Bible says that he began to sweat drops of blood. What we need to know is that no matter how depressed you and I may get in life, Jesus experienced a sorrow of soul to a degree that you and I will never know. Therefore, when Jesus says to you, I know what you're going through, he knows what you're going through and then some. When Jesus says to you, I feel you, he feel, he's felt what you're feeling and then some. And the good news is that not only did he feel my feelings, not only has he gone through what I've gone through, but he's overcome everything that I will feel, everything that I will face, everything that I will encounter in life. He's already dealt with it, and he's dealt with it to a degree I will never know, and he's overcome it. And how did it happen? It's because he prayed. Notice what it reveals here, that as he's going through this agony, as he's going through this emotional and mental anguish that is to such a degree that he's sweating drops of blood, what did he do? The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. Here's a key that I've discovered through Jesus that works every time. Jesus teaches me that when you are going through the hardest time of your life, pray the hardest. Jesus prayed the hardest when it was hardest to pray, but Jesus didn't stay depressed. Jesus didn't stay struggling with whether or not to do the will of God when he came up off his knees, but he came up with the assurance of knowing, now I'm ready. Take me to the cross, but the cross is not going to be my ending. I'm breaking out. I'm coming for, put me in a tomb, but I'm not staying in that tomb. How did he know it? Because in the presence of God, as he prayed the hardest, when it was hardest to pray, God strengthened him. In fact, the Bible tells us that an angel of the Lord touched him and strengthened him. When you pray, and it's hard to pray, God's not going to leave you comfortless. God's not going to leave you helpless. God's going to show up, and even if it's an angel from heaven, he's going to manifest and show up and reveal to you you're not in this fight by yourself and when you cry to me I don't leave you crying by yourself I show up and I strengthen and I empower so that you can get up from prayer with the courage and confidence to face what's before you knowing I'm going to overcome it what I've discovered those who wrestle in prayer end up winning through prayer Jesus prayed through to breakthrough. And those who spend time on their knees will have no trouble standing up. In the words of the late Dr. Charles Stanley, fight all your battles on your knees and you win every time. Fight all your battles on your knees and you win every time. Say reading. This is the second application. If I want to be more like Jesus, made more like Jesus, then I've got to be reading. I already know. I'm defenses are going, I'm not a reader. Oh, yes, you are. Even you youngsters. Uh, when you get that text from that one, you're like, you're not like, oh, I'm not a reader. 
All of a sudden, you're a reader, ooh, and you're dissecting and you're looking, huh? Come on. Come, okay, I'm not a reader. Reading. Now, let's look at an account of Jesus dealing with temptation in Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, now, when the tempter came to him, that's the devil, he said, if you are the Son of God, but understand in the original, the word is not, the word if is not uh, as a, a cast as, as a, a doubting statement. It actually should read, since you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, that is Jesus, answered and said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, the devil is not denying Jesus is the Son of God here. He's saying, since you are the Son of God, that means you've got all power. And I know you're hungry, Jesus, but you've got the power since you're the Son of God. You can turn these stones into bread. What was the devil doing? The devil was trying to get Jesus to act independently of the Father. And secondly, the devil was trying to get Jesus to satisfy a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. But Jesus, notice how he responded. He didn't say, the Son of God does not live by bread alone. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. What was he doing? He was making it clear to the devil. Yeah, I know I'm the son of God. And you want me to, to use my divine prerogatives, my divine powers to turn these stones into bread. But I'm not dealing with you as the son of God with my divine power. I'm dealing with you as the word that became flesh. I'm dealing with you as a human being who is submitted to God, relying on the Holy Spirit, as a man, I'm dealing with you. Why? So that everyone that comes to faith in me will know I dealt with you as a man, relying on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and that therefore they could know that if I was able to overcome as man, indwelt by the Spirit, yielding to the Father, trusting in the Word, that they too will have the same resources, the same Spirit in them. Therefore, whatever you throw at them, they'll be able to overcome because I'm going to be exhibit A here. I'm coming to you as a man relying on the Word and the Holy Spirit, the very things that those who come to faith in me will have at their disposal so that they can know if I overcame your temptation, if I overcome the world, they too can overcome through the same resources that are going to be available to them. And then he said, Three times it is written. But here it is. The only reason he could say it is written is because he knew what was written. Elementary, my dear Watson. If you want to overcome the devil, you can overcome just like Jesus did. But you need to know what is written. That means you and I need to read the word. We need to do what Jesus did. Not only did he read it, he reflected on it. He meditated on it. He meditated on it day and night. He thought about it. He memorized it. He stored it in his heart. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, don't, don't jump ahead. Oh, stay, stay. Ooh. 
All right. It is said that John Bunyan, the author of the famous Christian classic Pilgrim's Progress, he had written in the flyleaf of his Bible these words. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. The Prince of Preachers from London, England, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said this, visit many books, but live in the Bible. Visit many books, but live in the Bible. Why? Jesus said it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The writer of Hebrews said the word of God is quick and powerful, living and active. And he said it is sharper than a two-edged sword, but it is living. So if you want to come alive in your walk with Jesus, get in the word. Get in the word. Go through the word, but let the word also go through you. Mark your Bible, but make sure that the Bible is also marking you. Don't just memorize it, but once the the Holy Spirit prompts you, showing you this is what to do based on the Word. Do it. Because when you work the Word, you discover that the Word works. When you work the Word, you discover that the Word works. It will be the living, active agent in your life that will not only safeguard your heart and mind, but empower you to walk in victory every time. And this is why the Apostle John, the Apostle John wrote these words in 1 John 2, 13 and 14. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. And notice again, I have written to you who are young in the faith. Why? Because you are strong. God's word lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. Did you catch it? The young ones, the ones that were growing in their walk with the Lord, moving from spiritual infancy to spiritual adolescence on the way to spiritual maturity and maturing along the process. The reason they were strong and the reason why they were overcoming the battle against the evil one is because the word of God was living in them. And the Bible says, and you know it, in Psalms 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is the greatest protection against sin being able to overcome in our lives. So I want to encourage you, get in God's book. Read it. Reflect on it. Repeat it. Read it. Reflect on it. Repeat it. Read it. Reflect on it. Repeat it. Because then you will truly have good success. Then your life will truly prosper. Then then your brokenness will turn into wholeness. Then your panic will turn into peace. Then your anxiety will turn into audacity. Then your weakness will give way to his greatness. I'm telling you, when you've got the word in you, there is no temptation of the devil that can bring you down. Instead, it will help your life go up to another level because you'll discover that no matter how much the pressure is, the power of his word is greater 
than the pressure of the devil's temptation. There is no temptation that the devil can throw at you that he can defeat you with if you've got the word in your heart and you decide like Jesus, I'm going to talk back to the devil. I'm going to speak the word. I'm not going to talk my feelings. I'm not going to talk my thoughts. I'm going to talk about what it is written because he has no defense against the word of God. Now say gathering. Oh, I'm glad you're here because you guys can hoot and holler. But for those of you that are not here, and if you haven't been here, get ready. Gathering. Watch this. Look at Jesus. In Luke 2.46 it says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. He was 12 years old at that time. He was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. So they had gone up to an annual festival. Then they left with a group of their families and friends. But Jesus stayed behind for three days. And the Bible says when they found him, he was in the temple. Now... Fast forward, he's 30 years of age. And we read this in Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as, notice, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As his custom was. In other words, he didn't go to the synagogue sporadically. He went consistently. He consistently gathered at the synagogue. He consistently went to the temple. Now, look with me at what the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, encourages us to do. In Hebrews 10, 22 through 25, it says, let us, say let us. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Say it again, let us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Say it again. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Question. Have you noticed that the word saints in the New Testament, is always plural and never singular. If you haven't noticed, I'm telling you. The word saints is always plural in the New Testament and never singular. That's because we need each other to bring out the saintly qualities in each other. This is why the writer of Hebrews stresses the camaraderie of let us so many times. Why? Because a key to our living in ongoing victory is dependent on community. The key to us living in ongoing victory is dependent on community. You need me. I need you. We are the body of Christ. And the body grows. And the body is strengthened by what each part contributes. 
That's what the scripture reveals in Ephesians chapter 4. As Bishop Steve Perez often said, we are not all weak at the same time. The good news is that when I'm weak, there's somebody in the body that is strong. And there's times when they're weak and I'm strong. This is why we need each other. We need the body. We need community. Coming to church, being part of a community is not optional if you're a believer. It's a necessity. It's a, it's a, it's a prescription for victory according to the scriptures. Even Jesus, when he, and the synagogues he attended, they weren't perfect. They were very imperfect. Because there's people that say, well, I, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. But you go to Walmart, huh? <laughs> you go to the mall. Have you stopped to see all the hypocrites that are there? You go to the theater. Well, you know, uh, since COVID. Yeah, I know, but COVID is over. Oh, but I still get it, but we, come on, let's wake up to the reality, okay, that you can still gather with believers, and it's time to quit using the excuses, and for those, I'm going to be very nice to you because you're here, but for those online that you've been like, oh, you know, I just, I, I, I can, I'm growing in the Lord by myself. No, you're not. You can't grow by yourself. The scripture is clear. We need community to grow. It's not optional. There's a Kenyan proverb that says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, go together. <laughs> Do you want to go farther in your life? Do you want to go further in your life? Then get connected to believers. Get connected. Be part of the community. Quit making excuses. Well, I just can't because, you know, I can't get along with so-and-so. Listen, that's why you need so-and-so. You can't know what it is to be a saint until your sainthood is challenged. Will they rub me the right, wrong way? They're supposed to. They're God's sandpaper for your life. I'm telling you by experience, I've dealt with different types and people have had to deal with me. Pastor Angel, it's not always. There's times Pastor Angel can be like, hmm. But I've grown by being in community. So, here's the bottom line. He became like you so that he could be in position to help you become like him. Let me say that again. He became like you, so that he could be in position to help you become like him. Again, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 2.18, For because he himself has suffered, has suffered when tempted. Notice, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Did you get that? 
Woo! Jesus was tempted like you and I, but here's the thing. He overcame every temptation that you and I will face. Why? So that he could help you and I. So Jesus doesn't just say to you, I feel you. No, he doesn't just say to you, I know what you're going through. But Jesus says to you, not only do I feel you, not only do I know what you're going through, I can help you get through what you're going through because I faced what you're facing and to a degree you will never face and I overcame and now I'm offering you my presence through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you overcome the very thing I confronted before you had to confront it. And I will if you'll allow me to. And then watch this. Hebrews 4, 14 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, notice, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may uh, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Did you see it? Jesus, he was tempted in every way, just like you and I. He faced the temptations that you and I deal. He felt the feelings of our infirmities, of our weaknesses, but he overcame. He prevailed. And then the Bible says, because of that, you can come to the throne of God and you're not going to find a throne of wrath, a throne of judgment. You're going to find a throne of grace. Why? Because at the right hand of the throne is your high priest. And not only is he your high priest, he's your public defender. He is your advocate with the father. The one that overcame is saying, look, I know you're going to, I know you've blown it, but you can come because the moment you put faith in me, not not, you know, not only was your record deleted, not only was it expunged, but now you've got my record in your account. So when the, the, the angel punches in Angel Menchaca, ooh, is that something? Angel Menchaca, what doesn't come up is my past. What comes up is who I am in Jesus Christ. And even though I'm struggling now, I don't have to come in feeling like oh, God's going to reject me. No, he's going to receive me because now I'm his child. But not only is he going to receive me, but when I come to his throne of grace, he's going to say, hey, mercy has already come your past. And now let me give you grace. Let me give you supernatural power. Let me give you supernatural imparted ability so that when you leave my throne room, you go with the power to overcome what overcame you before you got here. Isn't that something? That the God who we serve says, look, because you put your faith in my son Jesus Christ, his record is now your record. And when you come, even after failure, when you come, you're going to find a throne of grace. And when you come, you're going to discover that when you walk in, mercy has already taken care of the mess that you were in before you came in. But not only that, when you come, I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. You're going to receive grace, supernatural imparted ability, so that when you go out of my presence, you're not going out to be overcome by the thing that messed you up before you came in. Now you're going to go with the power to overcome what overcame you. And all because of Jesus. I said all because of Jesus. So today I want you to know you can be made more like Jesus. You can be, you can be messed up. You can be broken up right now. You can be right now in the feeling like a, the, the worst person. But I'm saying to you, there's mercy for you. His mercies are new every morning. There's grace for you. His grace abounds. And no matter where you've been, I want to I wanna come against the lie of the devil. Because for some of you, you've been enslaved by this mindset. It can never get any better than what it is now. Because I keep coming to a place of feeling like, okay, I'm going to make it. But I keep 
keep falling back. But I'm saying to you, you keep falling back because you've been leaning on you. You're not the support. You're not the pillar that you think you are. There's only one that can hold you. There's only one that can uphold you. There's only one that can sustain you. There's only one. And he says to you, I want to do it. But come. So Lord, we thank you right now. That you that instruct us in your word. That if we say we live in you, we are to walk as Jesus did. You're the very one who offers the resources so that we can do so. We don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But you offer mercy. You offer grace. And Jesus, I thank you that you, you came from heaven to earth. The Word, you became flesh and you dwelt among us. And we beheld your glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And you, you came to endure and to confront and deal with temptation, trial, and tribulation, just like we got to deal with now that we're walking here on earth. But you overcame so that we could know that through you, we can overcome. And so, Lord, I pray right now for those in this building and those watching online that know that in their hearts there's a desire. They want to become like you. They want to be made more like you, Jesus. And they recognize there's areas like I do in my life where I need to grow into Christ-likeness. I need to become more like Jesus. And I thank you today that you offer mercy and you offer grace for whosoever will. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. You know, as I was on the way here and just pondering, thinking about this second service, I just sensed the Lord saying there there are people going to be in the building who need a breakthrough in their walk. They've been stuck. And part of the reason they've been stuck is because of that lie of the enemy. This is as good as it can get for you. Look at how many times you've just come to this point and then no further. But you, the Lord wants to break that lie off your heart and mind today. That stronghold, he wants it demolished with his truth. And he's offering you mercy. For the mess up. But he's offering you grace. Supernatural imparted ability for overcoming. And so I'm going to invite you. Those of you that say, Pastor, that's me. I need breakthrough. I want to become more like Jesus. But it's like I reach this point and then boom, I'm back. I'm back to stuckness. I'm back to struggling with the same thing. But... God knows I want breakthrough. And I realize now I need to apply what Jesus did that I may be ready to deal with the trials, temptations, tribulation in my life. And I'm willing, but I need God's mercy. I need His grace, and I know I need it. And I want it. And you come right now. Make your way forward. Those of you online as well, there in your home, wherever you're watching from, just stop, pause, and call on the Lord right now. Enter in, enter in his throne room. 
He's seated on a throne of grace and He's ready to offer you mercy and grace. Those of you in need of a breakthrough, come, come. He's ready. He's ready to help you. He's ready. Father, we come, we come, we come, we come, we come, we come, Lord. We come, we come, Lord. We come, we come. Ah, Jesus.